0: Was the band on fire today or what? Amen. Why don't, we just, why don't we just skip the preaching? Let's have them do another set. What do you think? Come on, don't get too excited about that. All right, open your Bibles, if you will, to uh, Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 27, as we continue our series on the gospel according to David. Uh, If you see somebody running around taking pictures, Cindy is running around. She's going to redo our website with some pictures, so we're pretty pumped about that. So, uh, you know, it's okay for her to take pictures of you. So smile, all right? Don't be too bummed out because then we won't put you... Well, yeah, then you won't want it, all right? You did that on purpose, so you're not on Facebook and on the webpage. Uh, David, there's so much I've been studying on in the last two months that uh, it's hard... To get everything in and we're coming up on this brand new series uh, on the home that I'm excited about as well. So uh, we have one more message on David and then we're going to jump into Easter and then we're going to jump into the new series. So uh, we're going to have to come back to David um, and try to do a 10 week series on it or something because it's so much good stuff in David. But uh, So what we want you to do this morning, I want you to strap on David's sandals. I want you to put yourself in David's position for a moment, all right? Let's just go back and think for a moment. You were told as a teenager that you were going to be the next king of Israel. An old man came and anointed you with oil and prophesied that you would be the next king. And then after a whirlwind of events, you found yourself in the royal palace. And in the royal palace, you were singing... For the, for the king, and you were playing for the king as he was winding down, trying to go to sleep. He couldn't sleep without you playing, and and so then all of a sudden you find yourself in this national prominence. You killed Goliath with one single stone. You were promoted as the captain over thousands of Saul's men. You married the king's daughter. You were best friend with the the prince, the king's son, Jonathan. All of these things happened. It just seemed like everything was going perfect on your way to the throne. And then something happened. Cracks began to appear in this perfectly constructed life of yours. And you fell out of favor with the king. The king tried to kill you several times. He took your wife away from you. And no longer did you get to fellowship with your best friend, Jonathan. You were demoted uh, from your position in the army and you found yourself as a fugitive on the run. Yet you still carried yourself well. You treated other people with compassion. You spared the king's life over and over and over. You still believed in the promises of God that you one day were going to be the king. And you still sought the Lord in every direction of your life. After several years of this, however, you woke up one morning and everything was different. Something changed. For the first time, you thought in your mind, God has forgotten me. You thought, man, well, something's wrong. God has just left me. And then you begin to think, My enemies are finally going to catch up with me. And you find yourself in a state of discouragement, delusion, and despair. And in this depression, this discouragement, you make a decision that's going to cost you. That is David's life up to this point in a nutshell have you ever found yourself there you're depressed you're discouraged and you made a stupid decision am i the only one come on come on join me come on just raise your hand and say i'm one of those stupid ones all right that that, that has done that all right i think we all have david at this point he finds himself hunted hounded and haunted he's de- he's defeated discouraged and depressed And so I want you to go to verse one as we begin this because we're going to talk about three things that caused David to make this bad decision. Now in, in verse one of chapter 27, we see the decision, but we also see his thought process. David kept thinking to himself. (laughs) There's the problem. All right. David kept thinking to himself over and over and over. What was he thinking? That someday Saul is going to get me. Someday Saul is going to kill me. That was his thoughts. So therefore the best thing that I can do, the best thing that I can do is escape. Now understand that. There's only one thing I can do and it's the best. And that is escape to go to the Philistines. Now who are the Philistines? The Philistines are the enemy of the people of God. They're the enemy of David. And he runs to them or he's thinking this. Then Saul says, then Saul, or David says, then Saul will stop hunting for me in the Israel territory, and I will finally have peace. (laughs) This is what David's thinking. Let me give you three thoughts. Look at your notes there and write down, because we got a ton of stuff to get through, a ton of notes. But first of all, one of the reasons that David did this is because he trusted in the wrong confidant. All right? He was looking to himself. For wisdom. And the last thing he got was wisdom. He is pictured here as having a conversation with himself. Now, if you know David, David was constantly going to the Lord and seeking the Lord's advice, the Lord's direction. But here we see he's turning to himself. He's having his conversation in prayer. And he received advice, but it's the wrong advice. So, so we see David trusted in the wrong confidant. Number two, David believed in the wrong counsel. D- David is communing with his own heart. And as you begin to commune with your own heart, notice what David did. He forgets the promises of God. Remember what God said in chapter 16, verse 1? Samuel came over and anointed David as a shepherd boy and said, One day you will be king. One verse one, he forgets that promise. Why? Because he's communing with himself. He's thinking in his mind, God has forgot me and Saul is coming after me. And if I just go to the Philistines, he will stop hunting me. So he forgot the promises of God. But Abigail confirmed that promise that he was going to be king. Saul, Jonathan, several people in his life confirmed that he would one day be king. He forgot it. He forgot. That even though you're in trouble, God is still sovereign. He's still in control of the affairs of David's life. And he forgot that. And after when you're depressed and when you're discouraged and you're in this self-pity, sometimes we forget the promises of God. Let's let's look at a couple of promises. Uh, Let's look on the screen. Psalms 135. Let's look at this. Look at verse 6 with it. This is just he forgot these things. And sometimes we forget these things, and we take control of our own lives, and we find ourselves in the enemy's territory. Look what it says: The Lord does whatever He whatever pleases Him throughout all heaven and earth, on the seas, and in their depths. The Lord does whatever He pleases. Now let's go to Ephesians. Just tuck that in your hat. Let's go to Ephesians, chapter one and verse eleven. Says, "Furthermore." Because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. Now notice this. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to what? His plan. David forgot that. It's God's plan to anoint him as king and to eventually get him there. He promised, but David forgot all that because he forgot the promise of God. And he finds himself in the enemy's territory. So he was believing his own counsel. Number three, David reached the wrong conclusion. When you listen to your heart, David abandoned the path that God had set him on and took a different course. Can you imagine this for a moment? The future king of Israel, the future king, going to the enemy of the children of Israel and asking for help from the king of Israel. Now remember, mind you, just a few years before this, David stood up against the Philistines and said, who are you to defy the living God? Who are you to defy the armies?" Of the living God. I mean, he stood up and killed one of the Philistines, Goliath. And now he's running to them, asking for help from them? Wrong conclusion. How is that even possible? Because he listened to himself. He listened to his heart, the Bible says. Now, when we say heart, understand it means the inner man. You can call it the carnal nature. You can call it the old man, the old flesh. There's several terminologies for it, but it's, it's the individual. It's the true us, the human side of us. Now, listen what the scripture says, not just about David's heart, not just about my heart, but about your heart. Listen to what God says about it. when we begin to reason in our mind and make all these plans and these decisions. Notice what scripture says about that. Follow me, alright? Let's go to, uh, this is good. It's already there. <laughs> Jeremiah 17, 9 says this. The human heart is the most deceitful, deceptive of all. What? What's that word, all there? Well, that's, a, that's a lot, isn't it? My heart is more deceitful to me than a politician. Whoa. Huh? Somebody said this in class A, a tele, a, a, a Television evangelist is a a deceitful person. (laughs) I didn't say that. Somebody else said that. They they thought about a salesman. So think of the the most deceitful person you know, and then look at your heart. Just to get a perspective, look at your heart, and that inside heart is more deceptive than at all. So tell me our heart won't lead us astray. When we begin to put the book aside and say, forget God, I'm going to do it my way, we're going to be deceived and we're going to be tricked. Let's go to the next verse. Uh, This will be in Mark chapter 7. Now, follow this screw. This is not me. It's not your preacher. Uh, This is the Lord speaking. And he talks about our inner heart. For within, out of a person's heart... Come evil thoughts. Okay? Sexual immorality, thefts, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, uh, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. Man, that is a, you came to be encouraged this morning, didn't you? Well, you're going to be encouraged because this is what we learn. If we're not careful, this will lead us astray. Our heart. This is why David got in trouble because he listened to his heart. You know what the world's telling, telling us, telling you today? God is dead. The church is irrelevant. The people of church are hypocrites. And we can all say, Amen, we are. But guess what? Those outside the church are as well hypocrites because we all sometimes pretend to be what we're not. And we're two-faced sometimes. I mean, our heart deceives us in thinking, if God loved me so much, if he really, really cared, why is all of these bad things happening to me? And this is where David's at. That's what our heart tells us. Our heart lies to us, it deceives us, it tricks us, it leads us down the wrong path, it it breaks fellowship with God, and it gets us out of the will of God. And that's what David did. Verse 1, and that's all we looked at so far, it just simply says this. David kept thinking to himself, rather than turning to the Lord. Lord, should I go to the Philistines? He did almost every other time. He said, no, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get away from Saul, and I'm going to go to the enemy, because Saul will stop chasing me down. All right? Point number two, look at your notes. Let's look at the results of listening to our hearts. The results of David listening to his own heart. Number one, David lost sight of God's protective hand. Now, you and me, as we look at Scripture and look at God In David's life, we know that God hasn't left him. We know beyond any shadow of a doubt that God is for him. But that's not what David thought. Listen, during this time, he wrote a couple of Psalms. Let's look at chapter 10, Psalms 10-1. Oh, Lord, why do you stand so far away? Have you ever thought that? Why do you hide when I'm in trouble? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's hiding. That's what David says. Now go to chapter 13. Look at verses 1 and 2. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever. And this is, this is really becoming real. How long will you look the other way? Verse 2. How long must I struggle with these, with my, uh, ang- the anxiety, the anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? I like this one. How long will my enemy have the upper hand? This is what happens. This is our conclusion we come to when we begin to listen to our hearts. So number one, he lost perspective of God's protective hand. Number two, he began to have self-pity. You <laughs> began to have self-pity. David finds himself. Now, I mean, One of the greatest kings of all time finds himself. Where we find ourselves sometimes in that little pit. Anybody ever been there before? That self-pity pit? You ever been there? Of course we have. Now, David, his self-pity is found in logic. Think about that. It's found in logic. He literally turned the other cheek. David went the extra mile. He spared his enemies He was loyal to Saul, and he was loyal to God. So logically, God, I have served you faithfully. I have been involved in ministry. I've been involved in service. And why isn't things going any better? That's our logic, amen? That's where we find ourselves. And when you begin to listen to your mind, you begin to reason things out, you find logic, human logic, that will lead you astray. It leads you in that pit of self-pity. Number three, David forgot to consult with the Lord. Now, understand. The reason God chose David was because David always said, Lord, I mean, most all the time you go through the, David's life, you find, He looked to the Lord first before he made his move. Unusual man of God. He looked to the Lord, said, Lord, do you want me to do this? And the Lord would say yes or no, and then he would obey it. That's why he's considered the man after God's own heart. Now, Saul, on the other hand, got the kingdom taken from him, as we saw a few weeks ago, King Saul, because he never consulted the Lord. Never went to the Lord, never asked, hardly ever. But the Lord intervened and told him what to do. And even when the Lord told him, he refused to obey. So God ripped the kingdom. Well, here, David finds himself in the same position, not looking to the Lord for directions, just jumping out and doing it. Number four, David convinced himself that things were better because they really were. Look with me in our text at verse. Well, let's 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 uh well, let's look at verse four. I don't have time to read all of it, so um, uh, word soon. So so, David goes to the the uh, camp of the Philistines. The king gives him a city called Ziglog. Okay, verse four. The word soon reached Saul that David had fled to Gath. So what's it say? He stopped. Hunting him. Instant relief. The pressure's off. When you're in a tight situation, have you ever tried to make a decision where the pressure would be lifted? That's what David did. He knew that the pressure would be lifted. And so guess what? The pressure was. So first of all, it did get better. So he's reasoning himself. See, this is exactly the will of God because things are getting better. Look at verse 5. So Ashker, and I know i pronounced that right because how many of you know what it says? Amen? Ashker gave him the town Ziglog, which still belongs to the king of Judah to this day. And he lived there for a year and four months. So, so bottom line is, he not only had the pressure relief, but then he got acceptance. He got accepted. How many of us hate to be rejected? I mean, men for some reason men don't like confrontation, so they just dance around, dance around, dance around. They don't like confrontation. Okay, oh, I, everybody doesn't like confrontation. I'm gonna just throw it out there because because I don't just mean only men, I just mean mostly men. <laughs> uh, not, so they're they're running around, okay, and so here David uh, thinks I'm in the will of God because number one the pressure's off and I'm accepted. I'm loved. Well, not only that, listen very carefully. During this time in 1 Chronicles, uh, chapter 19 and chapter 20, what we have is Saul's soldiers begin to defect. I mean, by the thousands. David heard this at this time, that these soldiers were defecting to him. So not only is he he a, a captain over 600 men, but now he's thinking it's going to be tens of thousands. And that's what it exactly was. Tens of thousands. And so what's your conclusion? Because circumstances are better, it has to be the will of God. Don't we draw that conclusion so many times? Not so fast. Number five. Innocent people suffered. Because David's men, they were in Ziglog, And I don't have time to go there. But they're in Ziglog. And they're not shepherds. They're soldiers. They have no food. So they go to nearby towns, and most of them were herdsmen, and they wiped out entire cities, men, women, and children. Wiped them out. Took their their sheep, took their donkeys, their uh, ox, and their uh, camels. Wiped them all out. And David is justifying this, that he's in the will of God. He's convincing himself he's in the will of God. So here comes the king, um, Ashker, and comes over here and meets David and says, where'd you get all these animals? And David being in the will of God and this right man, he says, well, uh, I, found, I went over to the Israelites' camp and I killed all the Israelites and some of their towns and I got these. He lied. He flat out lied. Because he knew that if the king found this out, he would get rid of him. And there would be this war. Probably be David would be dead. So Ashker left thinking David is loyal. So here comes the Israelites getting ready to do battle with the Philistines. David has got to choose which side. Guess which side he chooses? The Philistines. Tell me he's in the will of God. The Philistines. So he goes over to join the Philistines against his own people, and God, praise God, the kings of the Philistines said, No, David, no, David, we don't trust you. You're not going. Okay, so here we have number six. David's brokenness. Go to chapter 30 with me as we, as we make application here. Chapter 30. David is coming back from joining the Philistines to fight against the Israelites. He's coming back because they said, no, we don't want you. Three days journey it took. Now look at verse 1. Everybody listen very carefully. This is vital. This is where we're going to come to and make our application here. Verse 1. Three days when David and his men arrived home at their town, Ziklag, they found the Amalekites had made a raid in Neva and um, uh, Zikarla. or yeah, yeah, I forgot Zigzag. Yeah, Z, how you say that? Ziglag. Thank you. All right. And they crushed Ziglag, and the women, and they burned it to the ground, and they carried away the women, the children, and everyone else, but without killing anyone. So, so get in your mind, picture this: as, as the soldiers are coming back to their home, they've been here a year and a half. They come back to the home and it's burning to the ground. Can you, can you imagine the emotion that David and his men were going through? Let's describe it a little bit more in verse two or verse three. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. Rightly so, right? They begin, Now notice it says, David and his men. It wasn't just his men. David fell to the ground with 600 men, and they began to weep. And they began to cry, and they continued doing that until there was not one more tear left in anyone. Then notice what happens. It gets worse. David's two wives were taken. Verse 6. David was now in great danger what was he in danger for listen because all of his men not just some of them all of his men were very bitter about losing their sons and their daughters I think they should be bitter about their wives too amen I don't know why I didn't put that in there but I I, yeah okay and they began to talk about stoning him so here all of the men are discouraged and downhearted and they, they just, they're getting together and David, the Bible says David was in great danger, not just small danger, he was in great danger. So David hits the bottom, just like many of us. When he hit the bottom, what does he do? He strengthens himself, no for he strengthens himself in the Lord. He repents. Lord, I, I've been running my life for the last year and a half, and, and, and I, I'm wrong. I, I just messed up. So he strengthens himself to the Lord. Now, now follow this. This is fantastic stuff. This is this helps us to know what to do. And David, the verse seven. Then he said to Abiathar the priest, "Bring me the ephod." And Abiathar brings it. Then David asked the Lord, "Isn't <laughs> that good?" He says, "Okay, I'm done running my life." It got me in a bad place, right? I'm done. So he asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? And the Lord says, and catch them. And the Lord told him, yes, go after them, and you will surely recover everything that that, that has been taken. So here's David and his men. His men are getting ready to stone him. Picture that, okay? Getting ready to stone him. And so he decides to get right with the Lord. Perfect timing, isn't it? He gives it right with the Lord, and he asks the Lord, should I go after him? And the Lord says, yes, go. So David is able to stand up and say, wait a minute, guys. Wait a minute, guys. I just heard from the Lord. That saved his life. I just heard from the Lord. And not only have I heard from the Lord, but he told us what to do. If you guys will join me, we'll go after them, and we'll recover all of our sons and our daughters and your wives. Amen? You'll recover it all. And so the men subsided, and they followed him and they were able to recover every single thing. It's a good thing that David turned back to the Lord. Can I hear an amen? amen. It's a good thing. He'd have been dead in a moment. His own men stoning him. Because the Lord knows he is sovereign and he, find, he figures that out again. He comes back to himself. The Lord knows exactly where these women, where these children are, Lord, should I go after them? And Lord said, yeah, okay. And you not only will go after them, but you will recover. They haven't touched a hair on their head because I haven't let them. That's the sovereignty of God. Fantastic stuff. Okay, so that's the story. Great stuff. Fantastic stuff. Now, let's talk about principles to live by. Things we can get from this to make application to our own lives, okay? And hopefully you've already jotted the bunch of stuff down that God spoke to you about and that you're going to make application. Like, turning to the Lord. If you're not walking with the Lord, this is the perfect time. If you got away from the Lord and you're literally running your own life, I'm telling you, it's going to lead to a place you don't want to be. Why? Because that heart of yours heart of mine is going to lead us in the wrong path because out of this heart the inner Tim Fleener is nothing but deceit and so thank you for not saying amen so when we lean on this it's going to lead us not in the path of God in the path of the world because you have three enemies the world the flesh and the devil we blame so much on the devil but most of the time it's right here it's right here. Okay, five principles we can live by that can help us. Number one, we must be, be aware of the effects of self-pity. Be aware. When you begin to feel sorry for yourself, whether rejection or failure, understand the effects of self-pity. It's going to lead you in the wrong path. You're going to deceive yourself. You're going to be thinking, you're going to be self-centered and totally focused on yourself. And a lot of people are going to get hurt in the process. A lot of people are going to suffer in the process of you being in that pit of self-pity. I love my wife. Amen. She is always truthful to me. She she doesn't she doesn't she doesn't cover anything up. When I'm stupid, guess what? <laughs> especially, you know, especially in early early days of my, you know, you know, we got married, you know, I'd, I'd go into these deep depressions. Because that's what we that's kind of the way we grew up, you know. You just pull yourself and just get in your little your little uh, pit pit of despair. You just woe is me. And she'd come out and she'd say, hey, just get up. Quit being an idiot. Don't you love that? I mean, she didn't actually say those words. But the bottom line is, she wouldn't put up with that. She helped me not to listen to myself. It was the voice of reason over here. In a multitude of counselors, there is what? Safety. She could see on the outside, I couldn't see because I was just listening to myself like David. David needed a man to stand up and and say, hey, wake up. This is the wrong decision. Beware of the effects of self-pity. Look where it led David. Number two, beware of losing perspective of God's plan in your life. Beware of losing that perspective. Now, instantly we think of the will of God. We all do it. The will of God. Okay, my job. Lord, what job should I take? Or, Lord, what house should I buy? Or, or Lord, what, uh, what lady, girl should I marry? What man should I marry? You know, and, and should we have kids? And how should we raise them? What church should we get? I mean, we, we, we talk about all these things. And those are, and those are good. We need to pray about those because God has his plan and all that. But there's a, there's another plan out there that most of us bypass. What is my part, Lord, in your kingdom? Where do I fit in your kingdom? To expand your kingdom. What church should I be involved with that, a church that is literally advancing your kingdom? Lord, what's a church that's storming the gates of hell? Because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says the church that Jesus started, they will storm the gates of hell, reach on the other side, and deliver people who are in bondage in that gate, in those gates. That's what God says His church is doing. So we need to, you know, what is my part to help real life to advance his kingdom, and storm the gates of hell. Isn't that good? good. Amen? Rather than just sitting around saying, what job should I have? I mean, Lord, what what plan? I mean, let's figure out where you belong in this church. This church is going forward, and we're storming the gates of hell. How do I know? How many people got saved the last two months? Last two and a half months. Amen. He's raising his hand. Ten people have trusted Christ. And the majority of them are here today. Receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. Hey, guess what we're doing? We're storming. We're not sitting down. Oh, how can, how can we get more people in? Get the multitudes in. Well, number one, you got to be a different preacher, <laughs> younger, good looking, that can sing. That's what they have now. They have these great young singers that are preachers. It's fantastic. Well, you're stuck with the old ugly one. Amen? All right. All right, so so bottom line is, we're storming the gates. Where do you fit? Where do you belong? And if if you're in that pit of selfishness, you're not seeing those that are in bondage. And you're not seeing the other believers that are struggling that you can help. See, there's some over here that are storming the gates and there's some over here that aren't. And, and so, so, so we have to come over here and grab those that aren't and join us. Get those over here to join us because the more people we have storming the gates, the more people we can deliver. Can I hear an amen? Amen. I'm telling you, that's preaching. That's preaching. That's good stuff. Number three. All right, we must not interpret blessings as a sign of God's will. We must not interpret blessings as the sign of God's will only. Okay. Otherwise, in um, Matthew chapter seven, it talks about why is the 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 gate of hell. And many there be that enter that gate and that head to destruction. In other words, wide is the road of hell. And many people are traveling that. Okay? The majority of America are not saved, and yet they're being blessed. Americans are blessed like no other country in the world. A person has a paper route, they make more money than, than, than 90% of the rest of the world. It's insane. How we are blessed. And yet, in just a little while, they're going to open their eyes in the lake of fire. It's not necessarily that blessings. David found all of these things to rationalize that God was blessing him. And then he lost his family for a short period of time. But praise God, he turned around and regained them. just because you're having blessings is not a sign necessarily as you're in the will of God. Number 4. We must never take advantage of the grace of God. Now in Romans chapter 8 verse 39 it says this. It says nothing shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. All right? Romans chapter 8 verse 39 says that that nothing can pull us away from his love. He constantly loves us and nothing I mean, that's, that's that's grace. However, if we go too far, Hebrews chapter 12 kicks in, and then he begins to chastise us and spank us as his children. Hebrews chapter 12 is full of that. And sometimes when we begin to take advantage, well, I know he's always going to love me so I can get away with... so. He begins to chastise you. And, and listen, listen. You as his children... He's going to spank you and discipline to get like David, for example. All of David went through all those years of wandering in the wilderness, like eleven years before he actually, from the time he was anointed, <clears throat> excuse me, to the time he took the throne, was like ten, almost eleven years there. But all of that developed David to be the greatest king known to mankind. I mean, one of the greatest kings of all times, and it was because of that wandering in the wilderness. The stuff that you're going through, that's not Satan. God's allowing that to bring you to the place where you can be the best for his kingdom and for his use. So quit fighting God on all these circumstances and these situations. Understand God's up to something. So surrender. Yield. Yield. Let him have his way. And then, and then last of all, it's right there in your notes. We must never conclude that it's too late to turn back to God. Never conclude that it's too late to turn back to God. David was out of God's will for a year and a half, and he strengthened himself in the Lord. He turned back. He said, I'm done. I'm done with this master of myself. I'm done running my life. It has almost lost me everything. And his kids and his wife and his men and their families was was almost gone. And he turned back to God. So I don't know where you're at in your life, but there's so many great applications here this morning. Hopefully you're walking with the Lord. But if you're not and you're struggling and you're listening to your reasoning... You're listening to your heart. I'm up here this morning saying, beware. 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 Let's have our heads bowed, our eyes closed just for a moment. With heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning and God spoke to you, and, and there's so many aspects of this message. He spoke to you somewhere. Maybe, maybe you are distant from the Lord. Maybe you've never trusted Christ. Maybe you're going through something right now that you're in this this pity of despair. I mean, I don't know. But I want to pray for you this morning. If you're here this morning and God spoke to you and you're going through something like that and you'd want me to pray for you, just lift up your hand real quick. I'll see it. Yes, thank you for that hand. Thank you for that one. Yes, hand. Yes, thank you. Thank you all over. Amen. Yes, thank you. You may put it down. Yes, thank you. Anybody else real quick? Pastor, would you pray for me? I will if you let me. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, we just come to you this morning. We just thank you for your Holy Spirit that's moving in our midst, speaking to our hearts through your word. And we pray that we leave this morning, we would not be the same people. But oh God, we'd make application to what we've heard. And and more specifically, Father, to what you spoke to us about. All of these that raised their hand, you've spoken to them. And Father, I pray that whatever they raise their hand about, whatever they're going through, that you'd help them to give it to you, that you'd help them to turn to you and let you be the master of their lives rather than they leading and mastering their own life. That they begin to listen to you rather than their hearts. And Father, we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory. Heads bowed, eyes closed just for a moment. It's your turn now. I prayed for you. It's your turn to pray. Right there where you're at. We're not going to have an invitation where you come forward, but right there where you're at. It's a great opportunity. Listen very carefully. As the music plays softly, it's a great opportunity for you to talk to the Lord. Deal with these issues. Strengthen yourself in the Lord.